You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Okay, friends, we are in for a treat today. I am so excited about this conversation. It is all about rest. Chances are you clicked play on this episode because you're feeling tired, exhausted, burnt out, and depleted, or you're close to it and you can tell something's not right. Well, you are in luck because today's episode is going all into the idea of rest and why we need it, how do we accomplish it, and how do we combat burnout or exhaustion when it actually happens. And who better to have this conversation with me than Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is incredible. She is a scientist. She is giving us the ins and outs about how we were created and wired and why we need rest. And this message is a lot different than the one that I feel like mainstream media is preaching to us today about eight hours of sleep. Make sure that you get your full rest so that you can do things well, X, Y, Z. This is going into details. Dr. Sandra actually shares with us that there's seven different types of rest, not just physical rest. She shares the difference between laziness and rest, and then she also gives us some ideas about how we can find rest in our everyday lives and keep ourselves from burning out and having those face plant moments. So if you are curious about knowing your mind, your body, and your spirit better, how to honor all three to find rest so that you can be the best version of you you've been called and commanded to be, then this episode is for you. Dr. Zandra, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Hi, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. I just think that this conversation is so timely because, I mean, I feel like I I referenced 2020 in a lot of our episodes recently, but it's just because this is the year that I feel like we really need to love on some people um, (laughs) if we haven't yet. And I think that this this idea of rest, but then also at the same time, like wanting to accomplish things and the tension between them is something that's coming up in a lot of my conversations with friends. So whenever I read about you and all the things you do and your expertise, I thought this is going to be amazing, (laughs) at least for me, selfishly. I need this conversation. (laughs) So if you don't mind, if people are like, who's Dr. Sandra? This This conversation is for me too. Would you take a second to introduce yourself to our listeners today? Yes, happy to. I'm Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith. I am a board-certified internal medicine physician. I've been in practice for about 20 years now. And about 10 years ago, I started writing. Uh, Particularly, I wanted to see how to merge my faith and the science kind of in a way that felt organic to me because I didn't feel like I wanted to just be a doctor and just be a Christian on Sunday. I wanted the two to merge. And so I started writing from that place. And just within the past about five years, I hit a point in my life where I burned out. (laughs) It's the only way I can say it. I just got to a place where I was exhausted and no motivation and no desire. And really God just took me on a very interesting journey to what rest really means, Mm -hmm. what it means spiritually. And what does it mean scientifically as far as what my body and my mind needs to get back to a place of restoration? I do feel like rest is one of those like trendy words in church right now. They're like, are you resting well? You know, rest so that you can be all that you're called to be and all these messages that I feel like I'm hearing. 
But I love how you say, like, I'm combining science and how our body is operating and how it's been created to operate with also this idea of, no, we really do need to lay things at the feet of the Father. We do need to take time to breathe deeply and to find peace. But uh, do you feel, do you kind of agree that this rest idea has kind of become trendy and maybe even misinterpreted? Yeah, I think for many people, when we think of the word rest, we automatically are thinking about really the cessation of activity. Uh We're thinking about what can I lay down? And we're not including those restorative type things that actually pour back into us. And I feel like that is the part of rest that many are missing out on. They are stopping activities, but in stopping, you're not necessarily restoring. That's good. And that's what we need. We need that restoration. Yeah. So this leads me, I'm like, okay, now I'm so curious. How do we, instead of stopping things, like find restoration in rest without having to say, okay, I'm just going to take a week off and go on vacation. Like how can we practically see rest in our everyday lives if it's supposed to be a part of like our typical discipline? Yeah, it should be part of our everyday lives. And what I, what really the journey for me started with was looking at kind of what what I was doing throughout each day. Where was I pouring myself out? What were the activities that I did where I started to feel depleted and drained? And then looking at what are the things that help pour back into those specific areas? And so in that process, what kind of came out of that research and that time of going through all of that were seven specific types of rest or areas that I needed to learn how to do restorative activities. And Honestly, once I started understanding that there were components to rest, that it wasn't just this one big ball called rest, yeah. <laughs> it became a lot easier Yeah, because then I could focus my attention on doing very intentional things to pour back into myself. Okay, this is one of my favorite things that I have read about the work you do, that there are seven different types of rest. And for me, I guess I've just grown up and misunderstood what rest is. So like for me, rest has always equaled sleep. So I'm like, oh, I'm well rested today because I got eight hours of sleep, but I'm still depleted or I don't feel like showing up at Bible study because I'm empty or whatever. And so I love that you recognize that there's seven different types of rest. And although you might be physically rested, (laughs) you might not be emotionally or spiritually rested. So I want you, if you can, just kind of bounce on top of all the seven different types of rest and maybe we can start identifying places we're depleted in our lives. Yes. Well, I'll start by naming them and then we can kind of dive into them as you'd like. So the seven different types are physical, mental, spiritual, sensory, social, creative. And I think I just ran by one too fast. Emotional. Uh, Emotional. Yes. (laughs) I might be missing that one on purpose. (laughs) I always say there's one that my, that my body, that my spirit kind of like, don't say it because you have to deal with it if you say it. Uh Yeah, exactly. I'm like, if we identify it, that means that I have to actually go there and talk about it. You have to deal with it, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think most people are probably nodding their heads, like, "Yeah, me too, Rachel." Like I have always considered rest being physical, I, the eight hours of sleep, the, you know, like taking a nap if you feel tired. I mean, like even toddlers. I feel like we were even raised to know rest a part of our daily schedule. But uh, once we're not sleeping, I feel like I tend to want to operate on one hundred percent, and that one hundred percent and the cramming and the go, go, go depletes me in the other six. So I would, yes, I would love to kind of dive deeper into each of the seven. Um, and maybe even 
for me, like selfishly, this conversation so for me. And maybe even hear a practical about, you know, how you can find rest in that, in that type of rest, if that makes sense. You know, the thing is, I think for so many of us, when we are thinking of rest, just as you stated, we kind of lump it all into this big category of, I just need to sleep more. Mm -hmm. And sleep really is just one of the types of rest. It's just one of the types of physical rest, even physical rest, having both passive and active with sleeping and napping being passive. And then you have other activities that are, that are active physical rest, like stretching or like a leisure walk and those kind of things, swimming for a lot of people. So we have to kind of be mindful that when we think of rest, we're really needing to think about not just a cessation of activity or stopping or even taking a vacation or quitting a job you know, or any of those things sometimes that we think about when we get depleted. Mm-hmm. But what is it that is that we're using that we are not actively pouring, that we're not actively restoring? that we're not actively doing something to replace what we pour out. Mm -hmm. And then once we start identifying that, then you're able to continue that process. Because oftentimes the places where you stay depleted, if you aren't intentional, you won't ever restore those areas. You can sleep all day long. You can get eight, (laughs) nine, 10 hours. You know, you can sleep. You can, and, and that's the problem. That's what many people are experiencing. That's what I experienced. I could sleep eight hours but I'd wake up still exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't purely physical and sleep can't fix an emotional rest deficit. It can't fix a social rest deficit. It's not going to improve those in any way. So until you address them directly, they stay present in your life. Absolutely. I can vouch. So with mental, how is that different than let's say emotional? Because I feel like, too, that these words, the different types of rest can sometimes be misunderstood as one another. So mm-hmm. how are they different from one another? Like, what is each of the types of rest? Yeah. So mental rest has to do with the really the rest of getting your mind to go to that quiet place. And so for those who have what I call monkey brain, you get a thought and then you swing to the next thought and then you swing to the next thought (laughs) uh, or you lay down to go to sleep at night and you're going through the next day's to-do list and you're thinking about a conversation you had earlier that morning and you're just running through all kind of ruminating over all of these thought processes when you're supposed to be turning your head off and go to sleep. So that's what a mental rest deficit looks like. Your brain has the, it does not really have the ability to just turn it off and go to that quiet place and settle down. I oftentimes think of the brain like an unruly child. You know, you have the five-year-old that's bouncing off the wall and you're like, why can't you just sit in this chair and huh? stay in that one spot? Yeah, That's what we have to train our brain to do. Mental rest trains the brain to be able to go to a solitary focused thought and stay there. And that is what meditation looks like for a lot of people. You know, when we talk about meditating on the word, I think some people need to meditate on a word, pick a word or a characteristic of God that that they need to be reminded of that day to get their head to kind of focus on that one thought rather than jumping around to all the worries and all the different things and um, kind of not getting to a quiet, peaceful place. And then on the flip side of that, emotional rest is the rest that specifically deals with being able to express yourself and be very authentic and truthful and forthcoming about what's going on with you. Um, There's a lot of people who 
you know, have what I call perfectionism stress <laughs> or that stress of a performance where they're always kind to trying to kind of live up to a certain expectation mm-hmm. or a certain image. And the stress related to that keeps you in a place of inauthenticity because you never really feel like you can just fully be yourself or fully disclose what's going on with you or, you know, your highs and your lows that everyone goes through. Everyone needs to have at least someone in their life where they feel the ability to have full disclosure. And, you know, we see this even in the life of Jesus. We see people who have, you know, um, or we see people, you know, we see him with like the crowds or the multitudes where he's around thousands. And then you see those examples of when he's just with the 12. Mm -hmm. And then you see these times where he's only with like three people. And I think one of my favorite uh, examples of that is on the Mount of Transfiguration where we see kind of the the heavens open and he's identified in a way that is more full, more in depth and more forthcoming of who he is. Wow. That wasn't revealed to the 12. That was revealed to a select few. Mm -hmm. And we each need to have kind of that level of segmentation within our own lives where there are some people where we can just be really raw and real with and just kind of let them see a deeper side of us. I love that. I think that that is so that is that is a truth that I'm hearing in this moment that I wish that I had known earlier because I totally agree. There are moments I feel so exhausted when I leave a group of people and it's nothing wrong with a group of people. I think it's just that me, I haven't learned how to calibrate and really figure out like who deserves which parts of me. And I hate even using the word deserve, but like what emotional equity yeah. do I have with this person where I can trust them with the information I'm about to give them? And sometimes if there's oversharing or sometimes if... Man, even if I gave them the information I thought that they needed, but it was dealt with the wrong way, it's exhausting to feel like you've cleaned it up. Or like you were saying earlier, ruminate on it. Be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. So like that social interaction really lasted much longer than like the five minute conversation inside my brain. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, yes. I totally get that because that's, that is, and like I said, the, it's, it's appropriate for me to jump over emotional rest because that is the one that I had the hardest time with. That is the one that I had the greatest deficit. My brain's like, no, don't talk about it. But it's the one I had the greatest deficit in because I always felt like everyone wants the doctor to show up. So the doctor can't be crying if her patient dies, you know, from a heart attack. That's Mm -hmm. not appropriate. But the, but my normal personality is very sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so if I lose somebody I care about, it's, there's a stress in trying not to do what feels natural to me. Wow. You're like fighting against your natural reaction, which is yeah. exhausting. And so, and so rather than, you know, and, and honestly, it, it got to a point where most of the patients who became my, my kind of my normal patients who were with me for the 20 plus years, you know, of my practicing, yeah. most of them got to the point where they, I wouldn't even have to like like, do I hug? Do I not hug? They were coming at me with a hug, you know? So, yeah, I love that. So thank God he kind of worked that out for me. But for the most part, you know, that, that is a stress when you do not feel the liberty to be yourself. There's a stress that comes with that. And a lot of people, particularly those in leadership, I see it a lot in ministry leaders. There's this stress to kind of always be on mm-hmm. and it's taxing. Yeah. I, yes. And even non-ministry leaders. I'm like, I I love this circle of the internet and I love to think this community is ministry driven, but at the same time, I get that. Like, although I'm not a pastor per se, I do feel like, you know, 
my I want my people to get the most excellent version of Rachel. And sometimes mm-hmm. Rachel can't give the most excellent version of Rachel. So I'm having to like scrape a barrel <laughs> to get anything extra. <laughs> and then I leave this room or leave the microphone and I go sit down to dinner with my husband who I love y'all listeners, but you're not my you're not my family that really deserved my firsts, you know, or even as much as I had and and honestly, those are the people that restore me, not the microphone. So I'm also yeah. trying to learn what does it look like to give myself the permission to say no. Like you said earlier, not the cessation, not be like, okay, the podcast is going to take a break for three months, but be able to say, what can I do? What can I delegate? What can I ask somebody else to help me with in this moment? That's really exhausting for me. So this is so... Oh, you had so many good points in there. <laughs> One of the things you you actually described social rest without even thinking about it. Really? Um, <laughs> Yeah, you said um, something along the lines of, you know, my husband and my family, those are the people that revive me. That is social rest. Hmm. When I talk about social rest, people automatically think I'm talking about social media rest, (laughs) turning social media off, which is not a bad thing. But social rest is the rest we receive when we're around life-giving people, those people who who we feel pour back into us. And the thing is, you know, unfortunately, for a lot of people, Everybody that we hang around are people who need things from us. Mm-hmm. You know, our clients, our customers, our sometimes it's our families, you know, that are needing things from us all the time. And they're not really able to pour back into us. And a lot of the statistics just showed, you know, that really adults have fewer adult friends now than they've ever had because there's so much focus on career and family that it's like the social rest, these people that don't need anything from you kind of get pushed to the side. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting as you're saying that I'm thinking through even me personally, moment of vulnerability. A lot of times I feel like that it's hard for me to spend time with friends because of that, because they don't need anything from me. So for me, it's hard to see like a friendship being quote unquote successful because I am naturally an achiever. So unless I see improvement or like success or achievement, it's like hard for me to justify spending time in that area. When rest is that, like for me, it's hard for me to see the same success and rest as I do when I get a to-do list done that's not restful, but I got it done, you know? And so I also would love to hear if someone is like me, (laughs) I hope there's someone else like me in that same, same way where they're thinking, yeah, but I, I do want to have rest a part of my life, but I feel like I can't rest well unless X, Y, Z gets done is is there such thing as that? And, and how do we overcome this? Well, that's the thing. I think for myself, that's kind of my personality. I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. It's like, if there's work, let's do the work. You know, stop complaining about it. Let's Me it too, done. friend. Yes. <laughs> that's my personality. <laughs> so, you know, this whole thing about rest really was a battle for me because I never, I never put any value on rest. Mm. You know, yeah, I put all the value in work. And so, you know, when I first started this journey and the journey was after I'd burned out. So obviously I, I knew I needed rest to even be able to survive at that point. But it was still very difficult for me to assign even a similar value as work had until I started looking at the scripture and going back to when is work and rest introduced in the Bible and kind of how how I even how should I even look at the work rest um, paradigm. Mm -hmm. And when I started looking at that, I, you know, one of the things that, that I started with is really just the creation story, you know, with day six uh, animals, animals were created, then man was created. 
And then we all know on day seven, you know, God, we hear God rested. Well, it never really dawned on me to think about what was man doing while God was resting. Mm. Um, But that's the thought that came to mind when I was reviewing all of this. And I started to look, you know, when was work even introduced? Because on the sixth day, you know, God commissioned them. He told them, you know, be fruitful, multiply, kind of gave them all the mandates of who they were, gave them their identity. But there's no mention of actual work being done that day. And there's no mention of work even starting until the next chapter of Genesis. So it's well after the day seven. And I think that's when it finally hit me. I had always spent my entire life thinking that I had to kind of work enough. And if I did enough work, then I'd get to a place where I could earn my rest. Because, you know, once the work's done, then I'd rest. Well, the work's never done. There's always something you can be doing. And really what the scripture shows is that the work wasn't to be the thing that we did to earn the rest. The rest is how we actually get to a place of doing the work. We begin from a place of resting and the work then comes from the rest. From the overflow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've had that backwards for so long thinking, okay, yeah, I deserve a day off, you know, or I deserve a vacation. Let me cash in those PTO days. And and really, <laughs> and really, I just break even. And then I come back to what I was doing and I'm I'm just neutral. I'm not overflowing because I had the mind shift wrong. It's just so good. Oh, So for anyone listening, I just want to kind of shamelessly plug you. You have an incredible book called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And you talk about all these seven types of rests, a lot about it. Do you also share your burnout story in that book? Yes. The very first chapter starts with me on the floor. And you can actually read it on um, on, like on Amazon, on my website that, you know, the first chapter in its entirety, I think they have available. Oh. But that's where I began. I began literally on the floor, completely burned out. I just like, why is this the life that I've created? You know, I'm a, I, I, at the time I was a physician. I was in the media. I was doing all of these things that the world looked and said, she's so successful. Right. And I'm like, if this is success, then this is horrible. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. what anybody wants to live. And it really just, you know, opened my eyes that we, we really create and build what it is we want to live. You know, um, a lot of us are building things that we say we want. And then once we're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel good anymore. Hmm. And so if you can build that, you can build something else. Why do you think, though, that people have been so opposed to the idea of rest? So like, why do you think that we oftentimes have to find ourselves on our face at burnout in order to think, huh, let me try this rest thing out? You know, why is it so much more attractive for the go, 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 cram it in, success? lifestyle. Yeah, well we live in a that culture. Our culture kind of feeds that. It it feeds an anti-rest mentality. Hmm. It feeds a if there's a blessing to come, then you have to grind it out and go get it. It really yeah. takes God out of the equation. Wow. And you know, it really makes me think about this scripture from um Isaiah 30:15 where it talks about in returning and rest will you be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength and concludes with but you would have none of it. And, you know, that scripture is kind of tucked right in the middle of this story about the Israelites looking at all the promises God said he was going to give them and all the things that he was going to have happen for them. But rather than them accept that, they prefer to accept the, the, as the scripture says, the slave driven mentality of being in bondage. Wow. Because that was what they were accustomed to. 
And that's how many of us are. We are accustomed to a lifestyle of stress and pressure and always being on. And we've accepted that is the norm when it is not scripture. Oh, that's good. Yes. I I love you're calling it out. <laughs> like, I think that too, it feels like I'm not keeping up well if I am taking a day off or if I am resting and actually enjoying time with my family. I'm like, oh man, what am I missing out on? Or what else was there for me today that maybe I don't get to do or don't get to see because I'm not striving or hustling. And it's just so wrong. And I love how you said it, it takes God out of the picture because in those moments, it becomes about Rachel and about what I want and about what I could get and make for me rather than, okay, Lord, I trust that your plan is written out for me and that I'm not going to miss out as long as I stay connected and obedient to you. And that in fact, you can give me something better than I could ever try and create for myself. So I'm just going to rest in you, (laughs) which reminds me of Exodus 14, 14, where one of my favorites says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It doesn't say, so fight with him. You know, it doesn't say, (laughs) so (laughs) grab your battle, like go and fight. He's like, just be still. I got you. This is going to be fine. Absolutely. Because, you know, honestly, rest is is not for like weak people. (laughs) It sounds like it is, but rest, you have to have courage to say no to something that could be great, but it's not the right time. It's not God's timing. Mm -hmm. It takes courage. It takes kind of a Joshua spirit to be able to say, this is not this is not where I'm going to lead. This is not where I'm going to go. I'm going to turn something down to accept something better and to be able to walk away from things. That's not easy. Yeah, not easy at all. That reminds me of the book, um, The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. Mm-hmm. And it's about when we say yes to something, we might be missing our real yes we should have said, you know, because it's preoccupying us or distracting us. And it's that. It's a... There's always going to be something shiny or a counterfeit or something the enemy's trying to distract us with. And a lot of times I'm easily distracted when things are so rambunctious. Like you said, monkey brain. I love that. And my brain's going so fast, I can't stop and think and process. But the stop, think, process happens well when I do feel rejuvenated and rested and peace within me. Um, So another myth I feel like people believe about rest, and by people I mean... Rachel Autry, um, I sometimes go to sit down or lay down and I feel like I'm honoring my body and trying to nap. And, but at the same time, my head's trying to convince me I'm being lazy. And then I feel like I'm at war within myself that I, you know, you do need a rest. Like you do need to lay down. But then at the same time, my brain's like, but you're not doing all these other things. You're being lazy. So in those moments, I would love to hear, um, well, I guess not even in those moments, just in general, for you, do you feel like people often misinterpret rest as laziness, especially those that are goal-driven and oriented? Yes, I think a lot of people, because they they are not associating rest with restorative activities, mm-hmm. because, you know, some people will say, I'm going to rest on the weekend, and really what they what they mean they're going to do is they're going to lay on the sofa and watch, you know, eight hours of Netflix. I mean, what exactly gets restored? I mean, honestly, you probably feel worse coming out of that situation than you would if you actually went and just did work. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, it actually accomplished something. So I think it's, I think we do have to kind of differentiate rest from escapism, Hmm. which is what some people do. You know, um, escapism isn't rest. It's just kind of, forgetting that you've got work for a little while. (laughs) And so, 
you have to really be mindful and, and intentional when you're thinking about rest, um, rest being restorative, because a restful activity, you leave it feeling better than how you went in. Yeah. So you can tell something got poured back into you. That's good. You know, that was one of the things about creative rest that I found to be very interesting. It was a, you know, creative rest was a term that was not really out there, so to speak, before I kind of started figuring out how do you term these different things people are experiencing. <laughs> yeah. But people were experiencing it already. And there were so many studies that were saying, you know, people are saying that they, you know, after being around bodies of water, that they just feel refreshed and restored and they don't know why. And we did these MRIs of the brain and it shows the hormones are releasing, you know, the endorphins are coming down. And all they did was get around like the beach. And then other studies that are showing, well, it wasn't just the beach, even if they saw an image on their computer screen, or if they even saw a like a wall in their room that was green, the color of the ocean, their brain did the same thing. Wow. When you start seeing science like that, and I'm a science geek, so <laughs> to me, it's like, okay, we got to put these dots together. Yeah. Because when you start seeing that, then you know something's happening that even we can't explain. There's something under underneath all of this that's happening hmm. that they're feeling better because something is getting restored. We just don't know what it is or what the term it at that time. And that's where he came up with creative. Yeah, because every one of those was a cre- it was in some type of creative setting. Flowers, um, fresh cut flowers in someone's home or even brought to like a hospital room. Yeah. The um, spiritual rest. When I was doing the research on that. The science that talked about, um, it was done in Birmingham, actually, uh, at UAB that talked about how the brain actually maps conversations with God or prayer, as we call it, in the same way that it does with a conversation with another person. Wow. And the science was just amazing. And, you know, I tried to keep the book like readable. So. <laughs> out, you know, throughout the whole book, but putting enough of that science in there so that people could see, wow, this, this is deep. This This is is legit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, this is not just, oh, that's a feel good kind of thing. Like there is actual science behind all, every one of them. Man. So on the flip side, have you kind of seen why the lack of rest is dangerous and like what's dangerous about being so depleted? And what happens when we don't rest? Because I feel like some, not to scare people, but I just, I think that it's good to talk about, you know, obviously when you do rest, this, this is how you will feel and this is what you can accomplish. And this is how your relationship with the Lord can grow and be fruitful and, you know, even impact others in eternity. But at the same time, on the flip side, if you choose to not adopt this idea of rest, which is a commandment we've been given, there's obviously going to be some consequences. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the, the biggest one is really that disassociation from the work that you do. You know, there's a lot of people who are producing a lot of work. They are high producers. They are able to grind it out even in the middle of their depletion. You know, they, they've just gotten to the level of being able to do that. But the problem with that is, is that you start disassociating yourself from the work and you start losing your ability to reflect back on the good that you actually are doing Hmm. and the accomplishments that you're actually having. You know, there's so many people who jump from one activity to the next activity, one goal to the next goal, and they never take a moment to reflect. They never stop long enough to really look at kind of what's happened or Or even celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, let's produce the next thing. Let's produce the next thing. And we see the side effects of that sometimes when we have people who are, let's say, in the media 
And all, you know, we look at their lives and it's like, wow, they're doing so many great things in the world. And then the next thing we hear that they committed suicide Mm -hmm. and it's hard to reconcile. How can someone be producing so much goodness and still feel like, like their life isn't giving value? Wow. It's because if you're not stopping long enough to actually taste any of what you're producing, you become like the bee. You're making all this honey and everybody's celebrating and loving on it and, and, you know, enjoying it. And you're just busy producing. You have no, you have not stopped to taste and see that God is good for yourself. Wow. And I think that's where so many people who are high achievers, workaholics, get it doneers, find themselves. Yeah. And I found myself there often too, like a place where I think this is not fun anymore. Like this is not what I expected it to be like, you know, and, and it's a frustrating place for sure. Like you said, the face plant full frontal moment, yours on the floor thinking, how did we get here? This was once like my dream, you know, and this is no longer dreamy. And yeah. the disassociation is sad because then it causes more feelings. Obviously you would know than just exhaustion. I feel like then it turns into shame feels Mm -hmm. it turns into sadness and grief and sorrow and those are really hard to escape when you already are lacking the rejuvenation and the overflow and so it goes beyond not being able to do things well is what I'm hearing you say it really like it will take a huge toll on your spirit man and (laughs) everything that we've been called to be whole in and that's sad but that's where I feel like a lot of people find themselves yeah in the book, one of the statements that I probably get the, I, I get the most comments from people about because I think because of how I worded it, <laughs> but I, I basically state that the lack of rest empties me of everything holy. Wow, and that's powerful. That and that's that's the feeling I felt on the floor. Hmm. Like, I I've sometimes people ask me, well, did you feel suicidal? It's like, no, my toddlers were in the other room, you know, watching TV. So. I didn't have any kind of specific plan to do anything to myself, but I also had no desire to ever leave that floor again. Right. Wow. Yeah. And don't you feel like that's such a ploy of the enemy? It's like one of his tools in the toolbox. It's like, maybe if I can just distract her or like, you know, uh, deplete her or get her away from finding fullness and joy in the John 10, 10 life, then I can steal, kill, and destroy everything that she's meant to do. And which is so sad because when, Sandra, when you're not your best, like we don't get this amazing episode for one example, you know, or like when you don't feel like you can operate out of overflow, we don't get a book that we need. I love the principle of rest is, and really with anything, it's not about us. And when we can't operate the way God's called us to, because we've disobeyed his commandments, we're not only forfeiting what God has for us, but we're keeping others maybe from the potential he has for them too, because we can't give them maybe something that they might need or the encouragement or resource. And I think that's where we have to like take even ourselves like bigger picture for a moment and think, I need to rest well so that I can be the best wife, the best friend, the best whatever, not even for performance, but because that's what I've been called to be, you know? So I- I love it. You said that's that. That's so true. And I think, I think that's when I start looking at kind of the, because honestly, this, this is one of those books I've written two books before this, and they are completely different um, books. They're, they are very Christian and very um, focused on that aspect of it. This is the first book where I kind of brought in some of the science and some of my um, kind of medical background with it. And I, and it's probably the most personal 
book that I've written um, where I tell kind of my own struggles with this. You know, the, the reason that I was able to do that and was willing to do that is because I started to think about, you know, how many people were like me. They're, they are producing out of their emptiness. Mm-hmm. And although what they're producing, people are still happy with, they know it's not their best. Yeah. Because they're, they're doing it from a place of depletion. And I started thinking, you know, what would the world look like if we had people who were actually producing out of their fullness? You know, they're at a point where they were producing from that overflow. They are they are working from their rest and they're not having to uh, always feel like all the responsibility falls on them. But they're doing it from a place where they understand that they are working um, with kind of the power of God and the presence of God with them. And, you know, that's what motivated me to to complete writing the book and to actually put, you know, to go through the process with the book and sharing some of the personal things that I shared, because I think there are a lot of people who have been producing from their emptiness for so long that they don't even know if they, if they can get to another level of producing, but you, you can, it's just a matter of understanding that you do have to kind of relearn how to value rest. Wow. Yeah, that's good. And I feel like sometimes too, I find myself in those places where I am even on the edge of burnout, but that's just so familiar to me that I don't even recognize the fact I'm exhausted until <laughs> until I have the actual, I can no longer do this anymore moment, which obviously then I feel like that takes a lot longer to bounce back from <laughs> than just having a small, quick come to Jesus moment. Like, this is not fun for a second. Let me figure out why. Hmm, I'm tired. So yeah, I think just like constantly assessing where you are. I think doing things prayerfully and being like, okay, Lord, like, have you given me the permission to do this? Or, you know, can I, you know, how am I doing? And asking yourselves those internal questions could be good practicals for even figuring out where you are. But you also have a free rest quiz for people if they want to take it to identify their rest deficits. And we will link it in the show notes. So if you wanted to go take that, highly recommend it. I think it's, it just would be good for people to figure out where they are, you know? Yeah. The quiz is at restquiz.com. And it's, it takes about five or six minutes or so to go through it. I always say, don't overthink the questions, just answer them. (laughs) Um, And what it does is it gives you a score in all of the seven types of rest so you can see which of the seven you are most deficient in. And I think that's helpful because sometimes you you know you're tired, but you can't really identify kind of what kind of tired you are and which type of rest it is that you're deficient in. Mm-hmm. And so this makes it a little bit simpler to, to identify that. That's good. That's just so good. Okay, I have a fun science question for you. <laughs> I'm so curious. What is it like, like, what have you found in this really cool intersection between faith and science? Because I feel like for a long time, I've always seen it. I mean, I I know that they exist together because obviously the creator created science to begin with and all these things we're discovering, which is so cool. But I think that the world even sometimes separates them. Like, okay, it's, you know, science or you believe in God instead of rather it being an and or both thing. Um, so I would want to hear almost like your experience with connecting the two and what have you, how has your relationship grown with Christ in the midst of all of it, figuring out, wow, Lord, like you created us this way. These are how our brains are wired. So cool. I'm sure you've had those moments. Yeah. Well, honestly, not just the brain, but like the entire body. Um, the first book I wrote, I, I share an experience I had with a patient that started me on this process. It was one of those times when 
you know, someone comes in and they give you their list of complaints and they're like, this hurts and that hurts, and this hurts and that hurts. And, you know, you do all the tests and nothing's wrong. I mean, you can't find a single thing wrong with them. And, you know, you, you just sense that there's something deeper that you're dealing with that is not just all physical. And it was during that time of kind of working through that and thinking about that, that God kind of gave me kind of this thought process that I started to research about kind of when you're looking at treating a person, you know, in medicine, for most, for the most part, we focus solely on the body. And then, you know, within the past few years, mental health is becoming kind of more of an issue. So now we've kind of added in the mental part. And most of us are very comfortable talking about the physical and the mental, but we don't mention the spiritual at all with our patients when they're coming in to see us. And we still expect them to get to a place of wholeness. Hmm, and, you know, yeah. wholeness includes all three parts, mind, body, and spirit. And I had a mentor that I was um, working with one time who made a statement that just really, um, just really just hit home with me. And it talked about, you know, when you're treating a person, if you omit the spirit, you're omitting the strongest part of the person. Wow. You're omitting the part that remains when everything else is gone. And so how can you possibly expect to help them if you completely ignore the strongest part of them? Wow. Yes, this is so good. Oh, I was curious. I was like, surely you've had some really cool God encounters inside some labs and MRI scans and all the really cool things. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. One of my favorite questions to ask, and we will end the show with this. What is something, Dr. Sandra, that you are loving these days that you want to let our listeners know about? Oh, um, it would probably be a song. That's the first thing that popped up when you said that. Okay. I, I, I play it all the time. And even when I hop into my car, it's playing all the time. It's from Elevation Worship. It's called Sea of Victory. Oh, yes. I think it's just because, you know, right now I with everything that's going on in the world, there seems to be no victory. There, you know, there seems like this is endless just issues all the time. And I think that's just keeping me very encouraged to think that there is there is something on the other side of this and that it is a victorious end. And I love how it says the battle's already won mm -hmm. and it belongs to the Lord. Yeah, it's not ours to fight. I needed this conversation so much, so I cannot thank you enough for spending time with me today just to chat through all of this. And I can imagine there's a lot of people out there too listening that are thinking, yeah, that was for me too. <laughs> so I want you to also tell us where people can find you online if they want to order your book, get more information about rest. Where can they do all of that? Yes, absolutely. My main website is ichoosemybestlife.com and the book's available, you know, all the normal places, uh, Amazon and um, all the bookstores. Well, Dr. Zandra, thank you so much for being with us today and just giving us your time and your wisdom. It has truly blessed me. Always, but it was a pleasure chatting with you, Rachel. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.